0: I just appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. Um, Veterans Day, obviously, is something that's very special to me. I I served 22 years uh, in the Army, and um, both of my parents served in the Air Force and then later in the Army. And so it's a a very special day um, for me. But I just um, get excited anytime I get the opportunity to share the Word of God. Because it's not about me. Today is not at all about me. Today is about God, and we honor our veterans on this weekend every year, and there's some reasons why we do that, but um, before we get started this morning, I want to open us up with a word of prayer. So let's pray. Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we thank you for this opportunity for us to even be gathered together in your house. God, we know that we have the freedom to be able to gather together and worship in your name, to worship and corporate worship together, Father, with one another Because we have veterans, we have people that went before us, Father, that fought the fight to get the freedom that we enjoy today. Father, we still have people that are serving today to keep that freedom, Father, that it may not be taken away. We know that all over the world, Father, there are those who would desire to have just one day that they could gather together publicly in corporate worship and worship you without fear of persecution or retribution, Father, but they can't. Because when they do, they're arrested or killed or, or any, any of those things could happen to them, Father. But we're so blessed to be able to do that here in this country. So, Father, I thank you for that freedom that we have today. But, God, I thank you most of all for uh, my salvation and for the salvation of all of those father that have received it father because it's because of that freedom that we don't have to even be concerned about what goes on in this world father we know that we are secure in you and that we will have an eternity with you but father that means that you gave us eternal life beginning from that moment that we accepted you that means that we can live in eternity even now and that we should live our lives in a way that would bring glory and honor to your name that others might see Jesus in you. Father, thank you for this day. Guide us as we we worship together, and Father, I pray that no one will leave this place unchanged, the same as when they came in, but Father, that by being in your presence, they would leave different. God, we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So. This week we're celebrating Veterans Day. Um, It's one of the holidays that we have that stays on the same day every year. It doesn't change uh, the, the, the federal holiday that was granted for this. It stays the same every year. It's always on November the 11th. So I started thinking about all of this for Veterans Day and I wondered how many people even really know what Veterans Day is all about. Because I know in talking to some of the younger people, um, they, they just know it's a day off from work. They know we celebrate people that were in the military. Some of them get Veterans Day and Memorial Day crossed over. Um, you know, there's a lot of differences there. But um, it, people sometimes don't know. So I've got a little history lesson for you this morning. Uh, I want to share some facts with you about Veterans Day. Um, so on the, on the screen you will see um, that Veterans Day began... Uh, after World War One, It was originally called Armistice, uh, which is a temporary cessation of hostilities. There was a temporary cessation, and later it was uh, permanent, but this was between the Allied nations and Germany. It went into effect on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, and therefore November the 11th, 1918, is generally regarded as the end of the war to end all wars. So. After that happened, the U.S. Congress officially recognized the end of World War I when it passed a concurrent resolution on June 4, 1926, and these are the words that were in that resolution. Whereas the legislatures of 27 of our states have already declared November 11th to be a legal holiday, therefore be it resolved by the Senate, the House of Representatives concurring, that the President of the United States is requested to issue a proclamation calling upon the officials— to display the flag of the United States on all government buildings on November 11th, and interestingly read this, and inviting the people of the United States to observe the day in schools and churches and other suitable places with appropriate ceremonies of friendly relations with other people. So on June 4th, 1954, November the 11th became a day to honor American veterans of all wars, and the name was officially changed to Veterans Day. So Veterans Day is a celebration to honor Americans veterans for their patriotism, love of country and willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. Now the interesting thing is we look through this this history lesson and and uh, remember our veterans and we look at some of this and realize that Veterans Day actually began as Armistice Day after World War I, and later they realized that, hey, there are more veterans that need to be recognized. There are more people that gave their service for the common good, for the American people, so they wanted to recognize all of them. So it continued to morph from Armistice Day, and It became what it is today, but I like the part where it says um, to basically be nice to people. That was a day that we were to celebrate veterans and be nice to people, to actually share love with people, to honor that, to celebrate that. So, why the history lesson today? Why is it that you, you could look this up, you could you could search for it on the internet, whatever. Why would I come to you today and tell you that? Because if you poll the average American and ask them, what about Armistice Day, they wouldn't have a clue. They would have no idea what you were talking about. And, and also, if you asked them the reason behind Veterans Day, they might not get real close to that answer either. For many of them, they would say, well, it's just a day off to, you know, go barbecue, do whatever. But they may not get that. But the real reason for Veterans Day Um, is to celebrate and honor Americans' veterans for their patriotism, their love of country, and their willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. Here's the point. The point is that we learn from those who teach us. We learn from those who teach us. We don't just become... People were not born and then suddenly know everything. We learn from those people who teach us. And since we're talking about Veterans Day, I want to tell you how I learned about Veterans Day. I didn't learn about Veterans Day from school or books or any of that sort of stuff. I learned from Veterans Day because I had firsthand experience in my home. And um, if you take a look at this, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, The guy in the middle, that's me. That was 1977, and I was the little guy in the middle. I was 11 years old. I was at Camp Shelby, Mississippi, pulling KP for two weeks while my parents were at annual training with the military. My, my father was uh, E7 and my mother was E5. And so the two of them were in service. They began in the Air Force. They met each other in the Air Force, later ended up in the Army National Guard. And so I learned about Veterans Day in my home. How did that affect me? I was impressed by everything that they had. So how did that affect me? Well, you can see on the next slide how that affected me. That's Operation Iraqi Freedom in Kuwait, and, uh, and I was there for a year. And that was me uh, all grown up after I had been influenced by my parents and understood what Veterans Day was all about. From the time I was a little kid, I could not wait to get in the military because I was probably the most patriotic child you ever met in your life, based off my parents and knowing what they had sacrificed and the things they had been through. My father served in Thailand during the Vietnam War, and so I was, I was very impressed with them. I know this is a celebration for Veterans Day. Of course, we're celebrating that. I love all the red, white, and blue. Thank you to all of you who brought in your, your pictures and all of these things, uh, your memorabilia, um, because as you've, done, as you've done that, I can look and see, and, and I can celebrate together. I get very emotional. I'm one of these guys that um, uh, some people make fun of me. I don't care. But if if we sing the national anthem, uh, we pledge allegiance to the flag, Um, if I happen to attend a a funeral where there's military honors that are given, I'm usually going to uh, get teared up. I'm usually going to, to have tears in my eyes. Um, We usually sing the national anthem on Veterans Day and other patriotic holidays at our church, and I've always told my minister of music, we got to have something after that before I go up to preach because i got to get a minute to collect myself before I go up because it's very important to me. But the whole point is, as this is a celebration for Veterans Day, you know these things. You know about all of that. That's not why you came here today. You didn't come here today to celebrate veterans day you came here today i hope to worship god that was the reason that you came here today because that's what coming to church to worship service is all about is to worship god and learn about him right so let's uh turn with me over to hebrews chapter 11 hebrews chapter 11 and um I I normally, I will be reading this morning from the uh, New American Standard Bible. That's the one I normally use. Uh, You use whatever translation that you have. But Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read the first three verses. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things Which are visible. So we look at this, and this passage tells us all about faith. This whole passage talks about faith. So as we read those first three verses, it says that faith is something that is unseen. You know, faith is the basis of our belief because how else would we believe because we can't physically touch God? We can't um, physically see him. So how would we believe if it were not for faith? We must have faith. That's the basis of everything that our um, Christianity stands on. If you don't have faith, how can you have anything else? You must have that faith. So what is it about faith? How do we get that faith? It's not something that happens automatically. I can tell you, we live in a country, especially today, where we are not easily duped. We want to know everything. We want to uh, research things. We want you to prove it to me. If you tell me that something is a certain way, then you show me why. I was having a conversation with a pastor a moment ago, and even even myself, I I had someone that said, well, they just didn't think drums belonged in church. I said, well, i tell you what. Show me the book, chapter, and verse that says no drums in church, and we'll talk about it. Show me. That's how we are, right? You're that way. If someone walked up and told you, hey, um, you know, you can easily win a million dollars. Well, you show me how I can do that. Someone said, if you uh, uh, sell your house today, tomorrow you can buy one for half price. Okay, show me how I can do that. Someone says, listen, you can walk in any way that you want to and nobody can ever bother you about that. Well, how? Everything, no matter what someone says, show me. You know, we have uh, so many people that, are, that are, believe you should be science or faith. And if you believe in faith, see, you're the, you're the weak-minded person. You're weak because you have faith, but you can't touch it, you can't see, you can't prove it. So, but I'm a science person because I can prove things in science. Oh, really? Then why are a lot of the things that you hold on to in science called theories? their theories because you can't prove them. You see science and the Bible shouldn't compete against one another. Science and the Bible complement one another. The things that we find in science proves things that the Bible already tells us. So, that's faith to know, but you know what? We can also see a lot of the proofs. We can see those things that happen. We can see our world. So this faith is not automatic. So how do we get this faith? Where does it come from? Well, in, in verse 1, uh, again, of the scripture that I just read, um, I want to read it to you in the King James Version. Um, you know, I like King James. I like a lot of different translations. But in the King James Version, it says, Now faith is the substance, substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen you see the the new american standard says conviction and the king james says evidence either way as we look at those things we understand that it's something that we can know we don't have to just simply walk in a blind faith we can know about these things it is the evidence it is the conviction it's something that we can hold on to even though we can't physically see god standing in in this room and we can't physically touch god in this room we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that god is real and we can hold on through it through faith because we see the evidence we can see the evidence of god you say well show me the evidence well listen i tell you what i could i could ask anyone that's christian in here anybody that's a a believer to come up right now and tell me what has god done in your life And they could begin to share with me all of the things that God has done in their life. That's evidence. I don't need to to go and and find some missing link somewhere and hold it up and go, here's evidence. People can stand and give testimony of what God has done in their life. That's evidence. But if you need more than that, then just walk outside and look at the creation that's there. Try as they might, everything that all these uh, atheist scientists have tried to tell us they cannot tell you how any of that got there other than creation they can give you a theory but they can't prove that theory they can only give you creation so we can walk outside we can look at those things faith is built upon those things that we live those things that we see it's the evidence it's the conviction that we have so this conviction or evidence how does it develop How does it develop in us? Well, just like my patriotism, part of the way that this begins is as you see faith lived out in front of you. Oftentimes you see that faith lived out in front of you by people that love you or people that you love. You see that faith lived in front of you and you can begin to understand, wow, that's real. I mean, they talk about it, but I've seen them actually step out on faith and I've seen God deliver things. I've seen things happen, and I know that God can, can deliver. I've seen it happen. So you can begin to live that faith because you see it modeled in front of you. You find someone who loves you. You love someone. You can see that faith. In my case, my parents were not only people that loved our country. They were only people who were soldiers. They were not only people who served. They weren't only veterans. They were not only patriotic. They were also believers. They believed in Christ, and listen, they took me to church. They didn't send me. They took me to church. So I'm very blessed that I had parents that cared enough. They took me to church. You know, I hear people talk about, well, um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel like going today, or, or, you know, today it was raining, so I decided not to come. or whatever. When I was a kid growing up, there was no option. There was no discussion. Church happened every Sunday, and you're going to be there as long as you're alive. There was no option. I got a job one year working in the summertime as a stock crew for a grocery store. I got off work at 4 o'clock in the morning. My mother said, you can sleep after church. You're there come 9 o'clock at Sunday school. So you better come home and get you a cat nap, head back to church. You're going to be there. There was no option, and I'm glad there wasn't. You know, some people talk about their parents being drug pushers. My parents were drug pushers. They drugged me to church and they pushed me to church, but they always made sure I was in church. It was faith that I saw. Why did they care? It wasn't because somebody was there and they wanted to show off for them. It wasn't because somebody was there and they wanted to show off their new coat or their new dress or whatever. The reason they were going to church is because they believed that God is exactly who he said he is and that Jesus died for their salvation, and they wanted to go and worship in a place with other believers in, con- uh, in corporate worship, and they wanted to learn all that they could about Christ. And they took me so that I began to develop that same type of faith. And at the age of 10 years old, my parents, the year before that picture was made earlier, at 10 years old, my parents were gone to annual training. So I was, my, my grandparents had me in church. I was sitting in, in a pew towards the back, which was odd. I usually didn't do that. don't know why I did that day. My grandfather was sitting on the front. But I was sitting towards the back, and when the invitation happened, I almost ran down the aisle. I went to accept Christ, and we have been talking about it for a while, but it it just never was that real to me. I mean, I talked about it. I understood it. It was kind of like writing a research paper. I could find the evidence of all this stuff, but it wasn't personal. And finally, on that day, God unveiled my eyes, and I saw for the first time my sin. And I saw that I needed a Savior. And I came down the aisle at 10 years old. I accepted Christ. But it wasn't because that I did this marvelous thing and and finally came to that. It was because people who loved me, cared about me, they began to teach me about faith. And they taught me about Jesus Christ. And so my faith began to develop really even before I accepted Christ. But developed even further after that. You see, we need to teach people about faith we need to teach people about christ um my parents encouraged me to pray and they modeled that in front of me my dad was it was unusual uh for him to pray openly in church now he would pray in front of me at home and my parents would both pray we prayed together as a family we we did all those things but we'd get to church and my father he he didn't want to pray in front of people I remember him standing one Sunday in particular. He was taking up the offering, and, and somebody, uh, the preacher called on him to pray over the offering. And the, he nudges the guy next to him and said, I can't, you do it. And so the guy next to him prayed. And, and to remember seeing that in my father. And as at my father at, I think he was, he was over 40 uh, years old, God called him to ministry, and he became a preacher. He couldn't even pray, pray in church openly in, in his 30s. And in his 40s, God called him to be a preacher. And so he began to share the word. Amazing things. But it's all developed. It's not something that happens overnight. Maybe you already say, well, you know what? I, I have faith. I've, I've already, I'm a believer. I already accepted Christ. And I have that faith. Um, so, you know, thanks for sharing. But I've got it already. Well, how deep is your faith? I mean, is, is your faith really strong? Is it strong enough that you know that when something seems impossible, if God's calling you, you can still do that? If it's something that that you can hang on to, can you really trust God in all things? How about finances? What if your finances are bad? Can you trust God in all those things? My finances are bad. I've lost my job, but I know I'm supposed to tithe, but I don't have enough money to make it to the end of the month. If I give this money, how am I going to eat? Do you have faith that strong? That if you give that money to know, God's going to take care of you. You see, you can know that. You can have that faith. You can have faith that's stronger than you could possibly imagine. So how is it developed? It's developed by people living it out in front of you. It's developed by praying. It's developed by studying your Bible. When I was very young, I was given a Bible, and it it was a translation that I chose. Um, It was one that I felt like I could read and understand it. I had a King James, and I could read that, but I had a hard time understanding King James sometimes. So I would cross-reference it with my... uh, At that time, I I got a... um, um, It wasn't New American Standard. I got a... uh, um, I got an open Bible, the Living Translation. And uh, so I would read that open Bible, and I would look at that, and I would look back at my King James, and some of the things I didn't understand, I could look in the other one and figure it out. So I read my Bible. My grandfather was a big inspiration in that. I remember as a child asking him this. He was uh, always, when I would stay with him, and I stayed with him often in the summertime, he and my grandmother. And um, But in, in every time that I stayed with him, we'd get ready to go to bed, and shortly before bedtime... He'd get his Bible. It was about must have been about a 20-pound Bible. I mean, it was a big, he had a big Bible. And uh, he would open that Bible, and he would sit in his chair, and he would start reading his Bible every single night before he went to bed. So one night, I looked over at him, and I I, for years, I'd seen him doing this. And I looked over at him and said, Papa, are you ever going to finish reading that book? You have been reading that thing ever since I can remember. And he said, well, son, I have read the Bible through more times than I can tell you. He said, but every time I open the pages and I read through, I do it every day, and every time I start reading through, God shows me something new, and he encourages and strengthens me through the reading of Scripture. So I will do that every day. And he was always faithful to do that. You can, your faith can be strengthened through um, those living out faith in front of you, through prayer, through reading of the Scripture. It can all be strengthened through that. The point is there were people around me who encouraged me, and they grew my faith because of that. So parents, grandparents, if you're in the room, listen, live out your faith, live out your faith in front of your children, share reading scripture with your children, share prayer time with your children, share that with those that you love, and it will not return void. If you do that, they will learn from that. So I encourage you to do that. Maybe you don't have children, listen, live it out in front of your co-workers. Live your faith out that other people can see that they might be touched through that. I'm sure that there's probably nobody here today that's saying, well, um, you know, I'm just, I don't have anybody that that lived their faith out in front of me. You know, maybe there is somebody here that says, you know what, nobody ever lived out their faith in front of me. I, I don't even know for sure that this God that you're talking about is real. I just came because I spent the night with somebody, and they said I had to come, or one of my family members invited me today, so I came, or, you know, whatever reason, I don't know why I'm here, but nobody's ever lived out faith in front of me. I've never seen anybody do what you're talking about. I don't even know if this God you're talking about is real, much less living out this faith. You know, I'm not sure about that. Well, I want to tell you about a few of my friends that you personally can meet, and as you meet them, you can see how they lived out their great faith so as i tell you about these friends um i want you to know that this inspiration that i get comes from my friends and you can meet my friends today if you simply look a little further in hebrews chapter 11 uh hebrews chapter 11 is commonly called the hall of faith and um if you look up here i want you to see something on the hall of faith you see all these names abel enoch noah abraham y'all ever heard any of those names You've heard a few of those names, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, all of them. These are my friends. They're they're your friends too if you're a believer and you know that, but maybe you don't know that. Listen, they can be your friends too. You say, what do you mean? These, These are people that are dead. They lived way long ago. What are you talking about? They can be my friends. I can learn from them. How can I learn from them? By reading the Scripture? By reading the scripture, you can learn from them. I want to read for you just a few verses, um, uh, continuing on in Hebrews chapter uh, 11, beginning in verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, Prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city, "...which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore there was born every, of, even of one man, and him as good as dead, at that as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore." All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. You see, these are just some of those names that I listed up there for you. These are people of great faith. These are people who they didn't have the scripture to pick it up and read it. They didn't have what we have. They didn't have a church that they could go to and hear somebody speak about it. They didn't have Sunday school. They didn't have those things, but they learned through the prophets. They learned through God speaking. They learned to have this faith. They all had this faith. Now, before you begin to think that all of these characters that I'm talking about, well, you know, those were people in the Bible. They're different than we are. Those were people that were, they were great in faith because, you know, they lived in a time where God spoke to them through prophets and they saw miracles performed and they they saw things that that led them to believe that. So those people were great in faith and, you know, we couldn't ever measure up to that because we're just not that good. We we couldn't measure up to that. So, you know, why do you even tell us about that? Well, I want to tell you about a few of these people. Um, As you look at, at these people that are here, they were not perfect people. All of these people that we see, um, we find out that there are many that had, um, had problems. Um, Noah is recorded as getting drunk and taking off his clothes after surviving the flood. Does that sound like a great person that can never make a mistake? Noah, this is after he had seen the flood. This is after he had heard from God. He had built the ark. He had found land again. And what did he do? He got drunk and took off his clothes. Okay, how about this one? Abraham, he lied about his wife. He went into a foreign land. They asked him, who is this woman with you? He was afraid that because she was so beautiful, they would kill him and take his wife. So he lied, said, that's my sister. And you know what they did? They took his wife anyway, and she became the wife of a king until God revealed to that king she was a married woman. Abraham lied about that. And so briefly, she became the wife of a king. How about this one? Rahab was a prostitute. She was a prostitute. That's what she did. But yet she had faith in God. She found that faith in God. And because of that, she was spared. Even when the entire city was destroyed, she was spared. David. David is said in the Bible to be a man after God's own heart. Yet there was a point in time in David's ministry, not ministry, but in his kingship, when he was an adulterer. He looked upon another woman, another man's wife, and decided that he loved her he wanted to be with her and so he was and then to try to cover that up he had her husband killed because he didn't want something to happen there so he was an adulterer and a murderer these are the people that were looking at and we're saying this is the hall of faith these are the great people of faith yet they too had fallacies they were human beings they were flesh and blood they fell short why because they're flesh just like you and me and every one of us falls short It tells us in Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us falls short. Why? Because we're not perfect. But we're supposed to strive to be perfect. How can we strive to be perfect? We've got to have the faith that God is exactly who he says he is, that Jesus is exactly who he said he was, and that when he died on the cross, he died for you and for me. He paid the penalty for our sins, and they've been washed away by the blood of Christ. And the resurrection allows us to have that salvation so as we look at these things we see that um, these people are just like us veterans are not born and neither are um, great people of the bible great people of faith they're not just born they're developed they're developed by the things that they see they develop by the relationships that they have and those of you today that know god you have a personal relationship with christ if you know God and you have that personal relationship with him, then you need to live out your faith intentionally in front of others. You need to live it out. Don't hide it. Don't be, as, as I like to call it, don't be a camouflage Christian. Don't hide your faith. Live it out. Let people see it. Well, that might cause a problem. Somebody might be offended. Somebody might get mad if I live out my faith like that. Well, would you rather offend somebody or would you rather offend God? You know, as I look at that, I know there are times when uh, I've been called upon to pray or there's been times when I, my family and I went out to eat and we prayed and there were people staring. Um, there's been times when things happened and, and people weren't too happy about seeing me live out my faith. But you know what? I'd rather please God than to please man. And if I do that, even if it offends man, it's going to please God. So I'm going to continue to do that. Um, for those of you that are here today and, and you think that you lack this faith, look around you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can look around you. There are great people of faith all around you. I don't know many of you here, but I can promise you there are people around you that have a great faith. Maybe that's who you need to speak to. Maybe that's who you need to look to to increase your faith. Maybe you don't have anybody at home that's living that faith out in front of you. There are those around you that are. But you need to live out your faith. You know what, You even if you say, well, I don't know anybody, I'm, 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 share, I'm just a, afraid to ask. Listen, prayer and God's word, those are the two things that will help you live out your faith. They will show you exactly what you need to do. There are example after example after example in God's word of people who lived out their faith. Some of them lost their life for living out their faith. But you know what, they're spending eternity with God. There are those who, because they lived out their faith, Others came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So that's the thing we need to keep in mind as we do that. Today, I want to share a few other things with you. Um, These great men and women that led the way in those days, they're the ones who led the early church. These are ones we don't want to forget. Our veterans, we don't want to forget them. Listen, we can stand here today and we can celebrate and we can openly worship God because our veterans went before us and they fought for the freedoms that we have. We don't want to forget them, but we don't want to forget these veterans either, these great men and women that led the way in the days of the Old Testament, that led the way in the days of the New Testament. We don't want to forget about them. We can learn from them, we can honor them, and we can honor them every day by living our faith out. Don't forget those who serve. Every day we have people who serve our country. We have people in harm's way every day. We have people in harm's way all over this world. Don't forget about them. Remember them. Keep them in your prayers. The, the best thing you could ever do for a veteran is pray for them. Those that are still serving, pray for them. Those who are, have already retired or are no longer serving, thank them and continue to pray for them. Because you know what? God can use them not only in their service to the military, but also in their service to him. So I, I, I want to just encourage you of that today. I want to I thank you for allowing me to be here. But mostly I want to thank God for the fact that even though I was a sinner, even though I am a sinner, even though I didn't do everything I should do, he still loved me enough that he sent Jesus Christ to pay for my sins, to die on the cross, be buried and raised on the third day that I might have salvation. He says that I might have life, and I might have life abundantly. That means I can have life here in abundance, and I can also have life in eternity in abundance. So that can be the same. So today, I don't know about you. Maybe you're here today, and this is the first time you're here. I don't know. I'm, it's my first time here, so this may be your first time here. If it is, and today God has spoken to you in, in a special way, then, then listen to what he's saying to you. Maybe today you you don't know Jesus Christ, but you've today come to a point where you know you need to. Then I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that you can talk to, to me, you can talk to Pastor Stan, however you want to do that, but I want to encourage you in that. Again, don't forget that these that we read and we look at in the Bible, they're veterans too, just of a different type of service. So remember them as well. Let's pray.